Hi and welcome to the Work It's Personal podcast with me, Rowan Hammond. What an amazing opportunity to spend time in the inner sanctum of the Sydney Cricket Ground with elite cricket coach, company director and great mate, Sean Bradstreet. Sean's personal journey to leadership where he's mentoring the next generation of leaders today is awe-inspiring and built on doing the basics well. I particularly enjoyed the memories he shared as a young athlete, learning his leadership skills from the likes of Australian cricket legends like Mark Taylor, Steve Waugh and Mike Whitney. A humble leader I have a huge amount of respect and adoration for. Really hope you enjoy this episode, broadcast directly from the SCG. Sean, thanks for joining us on Work It's Personal. Pleasure, mate. As we always start, we like to kind of learn a little bit about yourself. Give us a little bit of insight into some of the roles that you have with the organisations that you work with currently. Currently on the cricket journey, assistant coach for New South Wales. So I've been part of that set up for the last two years. Also assistant coach at Sydney Thunder as well in the Big Bash. So cricket-wise, quite busy. Also a director and playing a role in Bradstreet Building Services. So, so very busy life, very full. Try, trying to find, find the balance, <laughs> throw, throw it in with family as well. <laughs> and of course, you've got a, a, another young one. In terms of how did life start for you? What, what's the background? Where did you grow up? Tell us a little bit of insight into kind of how you grew up. Grew up on the northern beaches. Both my parents were from the Manly area. Originally born in Wollongong, but when my old man was playing rugby league down there, the back end of his career, and then spent my youth pretty much growing up playing sport, a very sporting family, and also a building-orientated family as well. So, yeah, it was a pretty good, pretty good upbringing. Spent a lot of time on five acres out at Terry Hills. So with two younger brothers, there was a lot of sport growing up, that's for sure. Mm. And your brother, of course, played rugby league as well. Yeah, Darren, who's also my, a director of Bradstreet Building as well. I'm a business partner. He played first-grade rugby league for the Illawarra Steelers back then and played over in the English Super League as well. Yeah. So obviously, as you're growing up, you're starting to kind of build a sense of teams and understand sort of what goes into making a team and the leadership uh, within that team. So did you have any pivotal moments as you're sort of coming through those formidable years, as you're sort of growing up through your teens and into your 20s? Yeah. I look back now and probably having a dad who played rugby league professionally as well, who was coach of my junior teams was very big on leadership and at the time I was a captain of our age group and he gave me a very good grounding on you know how to lead from the front but also be a leader amongst all the rest of the team so at a young age I pretty much learnt a lot of how to be driven but also find that balance with, with others as a leader so yeah. And in terms of, you know, the rest of the family, obviously, you know, your dad was involved in um, not only league, but had his own business as well. Yeah. And, and sort of how did that sort of come through for yourself and Darren? Yeah, I, I think looking back, mum and dad, they ran their own business, pretty old school, you know, employed one other guy. So my dad was doing all the hard yards and running the business with my mum. So we saw what hard work got them which we then sort of thought about putting into our business as we were starting our business but also my old man had a bit of a mentality around work and sport and how they could both be combined Mm -hmm. with almost like a team feel to it so it was a pretty good way to grow up and learn and what were some of those principles can you share some of those with us as you sort of carry them into the big bash and coaching the, the, the elite stars of today it was, it was more about the fact that when you're in a team environment, you're working for each other, 
for an end goal. He was always big on that in building houses or, you know, he had to work with other trades and all that sort of stuff, but he also brought that back into the sporting environment as well. So that's definitely something that I've taken on my journey with me as a cricket coach. And yeah, it's something moving forward that I'll continue to use. And of course, you know, as you started to come through your teens and into your 20s, you're playing Sheffield Shield cricket, elite cricket for New South Wales. Were there any pivotal moments for you as on your sort of cricketing journey and, and your elite sort of sporting prowess as you're starting to grow up? Like you could have gone one way, but it went the other way and things yeah. worked out for you? Mid to late teens sort of had to make a decision about rugby league or cricket. I look back now and I just chose cricket because I, I actually loved cricket more than I loved rugby league. As much as rugby league was a big part of our family, having a dad that played for Australia and a younger brother that was playing first grade, for me it was, I really enjoyed the longevity of cricket, the having to work hard in a team environment all day, maybe sometimes for four days. Mm. I loved that journey. And it wasn't all rosy for me. Once I chose cricket, I then suddenly came across fast bowling injuries and all those sorts of things. But I look back now and I think going through all the injuries and missing playing sport for a couple of years really makes you appreciate it when you, when you do get there. Of course, we're here at the SCG. We're in the, um, the members' pavilion and uh, the SCG ground is just over there. So any great moments for you? Any memorable moments yeah. here at the SCG? This might sound quite funny, but my first training session out on the back, back oval out there, I was lucky to come into a Blues environment where there was a lot of really good senior players around at the time who were playing for Australia. And as a youngster coming through, I'll never forget driving into the car park the SCG and just going, wow, how cool is this? I was only in the car park. Um, <laughs> but walking down down the race to the back nets, at the time there was Mike Whitney was playing in the squad and I'll never forget the way he ran from the other side of the field to greet me as I walked in the gate, welcomed me to the family and then just took me around to every player and introduced me. That's something that I will never forget which made me feel a big part of the family straight away, the Blues, Blues family. So from that day on to experience playing at the SCG, I was lucky enough to captain the state as well. Yeah, there was um, plenty of great moments. Pretty special to have a great moment before you've even entered the ground. <laughs> yeah, well, I, for me, as I said before, I've never forgotten that. That was something that I've tried to instill in my business or in my coaching that, you know, that first moment is, yep. can be quite special if you nail it. And so in terms of if we turn our minds to leadership and some of the leaders that you've obviously been involved with and continue to be involved with, what does leadership mean to you? Leadership for me is being able to assist people on their path without dictating or shuffling them in a direction because everyone's different. And for me, it's working out who that individual is and what their path is and then assisting them along that path. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much how I look at leadership. And you must have played with and against a lot of great leaders, but also you see that in sort of your, your professional life as well through the building business. But are there any leaders that you look up to that you sort of aspire and go, wow, that, that person really does that really well? Or you take a bit from everyone? Yeah, I feel like I take a bit from everyone. I look back at playing days and the leaders that I played under, all very different, you know, the likes of Mark Taylor to Steve Waugh, they went about things differently. Tubby Taylor was very talkative and supportive and always chatting away to you. You knew exactly where you stood. 
and then Steve Waugh was a bit quieter, but you felt like you had his backing and he, you know, had your back the whole time. And, and when he spoke, everyone listened. So I sort of, in my early days, got to experience the chatty tubby and then the quieter Steve Waugh. And I sort of tried to combine the two, really, uh, with my leadership from, from playing days. And then I think I've been quite lucky coaching at Sydney Thunder. I've, there's been international coaches that have been the head coaches. So I look back to my first year at Sydney Thunder and Paddy Upton from South Africa was, was the head coach. And I'd come from a background of being a club coach and running the show at grade level for Manly. And I walked into his team and he was very clear about not overplaying my role how we're there to assist the players, ask them questions, don't tell them the answers. Even at that elite level, I learned a lot from him about how to get the best out of others. So yeah, he, he played a very big role there. And how do you see some of those elements playing out today in some of those other organisations that you work with? So obviously the Blues as in, with bowling and yeah. you know with the, the business as well. How do you see some of those elements? Yeah. Definitely have taken the whole asking questions and not telling people the answers into both facets. So with with all the young guys coming through our building industry, you know, you want to show them the path, but you don't want to give them the path. You want them to find their way a little bit. Mm. So finding that balance is quite tough in the building industry because, you know, if you don't do things right, it can have big consequences. But then if I go back to the bowling coaching role at New South Wales with the Blues, we're always about conversations, asking questions and letting the players, you know, find their way and knowing that if they can find the answers rather than you telling them, that's the best and quickest learning. And of course, Darren, I know Darren very well, your brother. You're obviously both, both very strong personalities. How does leadership happen in the business? There. Yeah, well, 23 years now we've been going. Very open, honest conversations. Being a brother, being brothers, it's, I think that's been very important. We're both very different. I've got my structures. He's a bit more ab-lib. I think we sort of gel together very well. We cover all bases. So one of our strengths is that we don't try and cross over. You know, he knows his role in the business and I know mine, and we just blend that together. And that's, you know, I think showing that respect and having open conversations has been gone a long way to getting the business to where it is now. And, and how do you balance those things? Because obviously having your own business and also all your professional coaching career and focusing on that, how do you balance those elements? Because there must be periods of time in yeah. the year that are, that are very stressful. Yeah, well, I think both of us being former uh, professional sportsmen help so you know f for me an outlet along my path has been coaching and Darren loves golf so we just try and find a bit of a balance quite driven and focused on where I'd like my coaching career to go but I've never been in a rush which I think has also helped we've uh, had a discussions around that journey just evolving rather than me wanting to get somewhere too quick so pretty open with you know, what's coming up with coaching versus the business. Mm -hmm. Obviously, trying not to take my eye off the ball with the business, but also finding that balance and enjoyment in the coaching, you know. I'm not saying I don't enjoy running our company. 
I do, but I'm very passionate about the cricket coaching side and Darren understands that. So mm. busy times, normally around summer. <laughs> um, but the building industry also closes down for a fair chunk of that as well. So, so it helps. does kind of work. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and obviously a few years ago with the Sydney Thunder, you won a premiership or won the competition, and we could say, what was it, what was it about that particular year that you think you did differently and, and how did you lead the, t- the players through or how did that sort of, what were some of those special elements? Yeah, I look back, we've always had special players at Sydney Thunder, but the year we won it, we had a really good leadership group. Um, the likes of Jack Callis, Andre Russell, Shane Watson, Mike Hussey. So there's just four, mm. let alone other guys like Clint McClay who'd played for Australia and that. So I think one of the things that worked really well with that squad is the coaching staff took a backward step and they worked in the background. And we had such a strong leadership group that they drove the team themselves. Mm. So Paddy Upton was the head coach at the time and he was really big on, you know, if you don't have to say something, don't say it. Let the players who are in the middle of it right now, let them go on that journey and we just support them along the way. And mm. with that, that team, we had a blend of youth coming through, the likes of Chris Green, who was in his first year, who's now a seasoned campaigner who would have learned a lot from those senior members. So there was a really good blend of senior and junior players, but as a group, it was player-led, which was really exciting. Yeah, because I was going to ask how you lead these people, but I think you've answered that question really well. Yeah, pro- probably to an- just to answer that in a little way was we always knew what we wanted to get out of where they were going, and part of the art was maybe having the conversations with the senior players you know, about where you would like it to go and getting them on the same page and then they would funnel it down that path. So it was, yeah, it was good. Fantastic. And in terms of, of, of course, we're talking all things workplace as well and how yep. leadership influences that and your workplace predominantly being, you know, the, the cricketing world. How do you see, you know, your workplace playing a role for the organisations that you work with and, and what are some of those elements that you look to for the future? What, what, is, what are you doing with the cricket at the moment? At the moment, we're two days into a brand new place out at Silverwater, Cricket New South Wales, which is really exciting, state-of-the-art, world-class facility. So we've definitely come a long way from the last few decades. There's been a lot of players been watching this journey come along, hoping they'd still be playing by the time we got to this facility. But state-of-the-art, you know, analysts, videos that weren't around many years ago, you know, in-time training feedback is just going to the next level, which is really exciting, you know. So using technology at that point, at that moment in time as people are training and yeah. playing and, you know, you're giving feedback to, yeah. to people right in that moment. Yeah, well, you know, most every training session, the boys will come with something that they're working on and we've got it all being videoed from different angles and, you know, as an example, a fast bowler could run in, bowl a ball, and we can go straight to an iPad, rewind it, and have a look at what they are working on. So that immediate feedback is just amazing, you know, compared to the player trusting in the old days what the coach was seeing mm. or what the player was actually feeling, you know. So that still plays parts. Don't, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, the player needs to feel and be able to close their eyes and see it. And the conversations are still there, but it's now combined with that technology is pretty special. And do you think that that really helps that 
that person in that moment get better? Yeah, I, th- I think that it just speeds up the process, being able to see it for themselves. Like when before this sort of came along, you'd be having conversations and you'd try and get them to feel it and mm. imagine it, mm. where now they can actually see it. And, you know, there's a lot of individuals out there that want to see it. They don't want to that their learning's a lot better when they see it in front of them rather than the conversation. Mm, so mm. there's still others that would prefer to have conversations and go with feel mm. rather than the visual. Mm. So mm. you've still got to find a balance. Everyone's different. And, and before the interview, you're telling me a little bit about how the CEO got up recently and talked to you a little bit about the future of cricket and where they <laughs> saw that going. Can you share a little bit of that with us? Yeah, it's, it was about, you know, the youth and young cricketers coming through the age group of five to 14 and how there's been a slight decline in numbers, which I was really surprised because I, you know, always looked at cricket as one of the number one sports within our country, number one in summer for sure. Mm. Quite surprising. For me, I think it will make some changes in cricket, which could be exciting. The old uh, players of the past, you know, might want to see things change too much but I can definitely see something left field happening over the next few years, whether it's games played within an hour or, (laughs) (laughs) as uh, I've heard someone else say, six different bowlers for one over, bowling one (laughs) ball, who knows? But, um, yeah, I think it's interesting times for for cricket. We've come a long way. Originally, test matches into one day as into, you know, T20 cricket now, which is more of an entertainment package of Mm. three hours and it's done and dusted and, Mm. you know... Yeah, of course, cricket has done so well through that format with the Big Bash. What do you think they've done to get it right? I think that they've looked at it as an entertainment package. Mm. Um, You've still got, you know, world-class athletes playing the game, but they've brought other things to the table. I know that there's music and fireworks. There's a lot more females at the game. So it's like an entertainment package deal, which fast sport and then throw in music and fireworks and the whole... It's, that's entertaining, isn't it? Mm, crowd, crowd participation. As you sort of reflect on your career so far and your leadership style, what is it that you'd like to kind of be remembered for? That's a good question. I've always felt like as a leader that I never need to be front and centre. So it would be more about, you know, that I'd be remembered for what I was doing in the background to allow the players to be front and centre. So, yeah, that's sort of the legacy I'd like to leave behind, that it wasn't really about me. It was about the journey they were on. Mm. Sean, it's been great catching up with you. Could you just leave us with perhaps some of the best advice you've ever received? Well, I think that last bit was one of them. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, look, definitely for being leaders, it's to remind yourself that everyone's not like you. You know, I look back and my best learning was looking after 60 or 70 different players at a grade level and you very quickly work out that everyone's different. So if you can put yourself in the person who you're trying to lead from the front position, put the, put yourself in their chair and f- try and feel how they feel and then remove yourself and work out how you can help them, I think that's probably the best advice I could give. Pretty good advice to end on, Sean. Thanks yeah. for joining us today. Thanks, mate. Great.